Well, it's hard to believe, but here we are again. At the end of one year and on the brink of starting a new one. And I think at this time of year, we all get to that place where we begin to reflect on what the past year has been like, and we begin to dream about what the year ahead could be. And I don't know what 2018 was like for you in your life, and I don't know what you're thinking about the new year and what it could bring in your life. But as we conclude this year, I wanted us to kind of go back to how we began At Venice Church, we started off 2018 with a series called Routine Resolution. And if you weren't here for that series, I encourage you to go back and give it a listen because it was a really cool series where we began to talk about some things that I think were necessary to kind of set this year up in a way that would be successful. And so if you were here and a part of that series, I hope what you learned during that time kind of made 2018 a different year for you. Because in that series, we talked about we're going to make the routine the resolution. Because in order for 2018 to be a different kind of year, we didn't need another resolution. We needed a new routine. That we can set all these resolutions, and really what resolutions most often are, are goals for our lives or for our families, for our careers. But if you don't set the right routine, you'll never see the right results. And so we decided in 2018 that we would let the routine be the resolution, that we would figure out what would be the routine necessary to see the results in our lives that we wanted, whether it be spiritually or physically or in some other arena of our lives. And we talked about how to to fix the problem, you have to change the pattern. And we went into Romans chapter 12, where it talks about, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. That that really the, the problem is the pattern. And if we want to solve the problem and, and fix the situation, then we, then we need a new pattern, a, a, a new routine. And I hope that that mentality, as you went into 2018, made a difference for you. That you set a new routine that would give you the results that, that you wanted to see. And you were able to have a, a new pattern based on a renewed perspective with the support of the right people. Because that's what we talked about it would take to set your life up for success. And again, all of that was rooted in Romans chapter 12. But as we, as we conclude 2018 and we head into 2019, there's a new spin on this that, that God has taught me. Because there's a lot of people, and you may be one of these people, that you head into 2019 and you're in a season or you're in a situation or you're in a current reality that a resolution won't solve and a routine won't fix. You look at 2019 and because of what you're dealing with or because of something that's happened in your life or because of something that you're having to try to figure out how to navigate, there is no resolution that will solve it. And there is no routine that will fix it. And so maybe like you're, you're standing in this space as we conclude one year and we head into another and you don't need a routine. You don't need a resolution. What you're looking for is a reason. Like all you can think about is how am I going to make it through this? Or maybe you're thinking about like, like what's the reason I'm in this situation? Because you're in a circumstance that like you never thought you'd be in. You're in a place you never thought you would be. When 2018 opened up, you never thought here in the last days of 2018 that that would be your reality. Like when 2018 opened, um, that person was still in your life. And now 
we come to the end of this year and they're gone. And you're trying to deal with that loss and figure out why, why are they not here? Why are they gone so soon? And there's this big empty void in your heart and you're trying to figure out how 2019 can have any hope and any joy and any excitement with what you've experienced. Like some of you, you started 2018 married and now you're at the end of this year and that relationship is dissolved and you're trying to process the reasons why you ended up in this place. And maybe you're looking for a reason in the form of an explanation or maybe you're just looking for a reason just to get out of the bed. A reason just to keep going. A reason to dream. A reason to think about something that could be possible. Because here, you're at the end of this year and you're staring at the next year. And because of your current reality, you just need a reason to keep moving forward. And you're in a space right now where something, someone has died or something is done. And you feel like there's no hope. And that you're in a space where nothing good can come of this. And you're just struggling with the reality that is now your current situation. And I would love to give you like the reason. I'd love to be able to explain why you're in the situation that you're in and make sense of it all. And I would love to give you this real powerful motivational talk about the reason why you should not give up on God and, and believe in him. And that's what kind of what I want to try to do. I, I can't really give you a reason for why you are where you are. But what I think I can do is give you reassurance that God's still with you. Um, because in, you might be in a situation right now where God's, because, because you're going through something so difficult and so painful that you feel like God is angry, that like he's just mad at you because you wouldn't be going through this if God wasn't mad at you. Or maybe you think like he's just absent, like, that you're dealing with this and God has abandoned you where you are and you're just waiting through this alone and it just feels like he is a million miles away from your heart at this moment. Or maybe you think he's just apathetic, like he, like he just doesn't care. And I can't give you a reason for all the things that you're going through, but I can give you reassurance that none of those things are true. That just because you feel what you feel, that God may be silent in this moment, but he is not absent. That you may feel all alone, but you have not been abandoned. Like I can reassure you that you are still loved by God and important to God, and God is with you, and God is for you. And I, I kind of want to prove it to you biblically. Because you might think, well, not me, because I'm this insignificant person and God's just left me and I'm wading through this, nav- this, this difficult situation and trying to figure out how to navigate it. But I just want to give you the reassurance that no matter what you're feeling, no matter what you're going through, and as you stand at the end of this year and heading into a new year and know a resolution won't resolve it and know a routine won't fix it. And to be honest with you, Trying to find the reason for it right now may just end up being more frustrating than helpful. So what I want you to do is just have some reassurance as you step into a new year. I want you to be reassured that God does love you, that God is paying attention to your pain, and God is going to walk you through this season. And how I know that is because there are people in Scripture that went through maybe not exactly what you're going through, but they went through difficult things as well. And one of the first that comes to mind is a man named Lazarus. And we hear his story in John chapter 11. I, I just want to read it to you. In John chapter 11, starting with verse 1, 
It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. The Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick was the same one who poured the perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So somebody comes to Jesus and says, Lord, the one you love is sick. And how deeply must Jesus have loved this man for like Jesus to know exactly who he was talking about? Because like if somebody comes to me and says, Matt, the one you love is sick. Like I'm thinking, is it my wife? Is it, is it my daughter? Is it my son? Is it my parents? Is it somebody like, but Jesus knew who it was. In verse four in chapter 11 says, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that this, that God's son may be glorified through that. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So it says that Jesus like deeply loved not only Lazarus who was sick, like he deeply loved Mary and Martha, the sisters who were coming to him with a word in panic. But I want you to, to listen to what Jesus does. So you think Jesus' response would be like, where is he? Like immediately take me to him. Like the one that I deeply love is hurting and suffering. And you think that because he's hurting, that Jesus would be in a hurry. And that's kind of what we feel. Like, God, I'm hurting. So like, you need to be in a hurry. You need to be in a hurry and, and give me peace. And you need to be in a hurry and fix this situation. But I want you to notice like what Jesus does. Verse six says, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Like Jesus hears he's hurting, but yet Jesus doesn't get in a hurry. And this is somebody that Jesus loved as much as anybody on the planet, apparently, that, that they had seen and they had watched. And it's just to remind you, when you're hurting, just because God is not in a hurry doesn't mean he doesn't care. Doesn't mean that he is apathetic to your pain. It doesn't mean he's absent. And just because he's silent and just because you say, God, I'm hurting, and it seems like there's been a delay in his response to that outcry, it doesn't mean that he hasn't hurt you. Those prayers that you're praying right now while you're hurting, while you're in this season that you're trying to find a reason to make sense of, God's hearing your prayers and he's watching over you. And I believe just like in this story, Jesus had a plan. If you know that story, eventually Jesus would come and, and Lazarus had already died. And his sister's like, if you'd have been here, Jesus, you could have saved him. And, and Jesus says, I'm about to do something really cool when he calls him out of the grave. And it's just a reminder that people that Jesus love are not immune to these painful things. And when we go through them, when we have to walk through these seasons that we can't find a reason to understand, God's still there and he's still paying attention. Let me give you another example. <clears throat> There's a guy in the Bible named John the Baptist. He was actually Jesus's cousin and he kind of paved the way for Jesus' ministry. And Jesus says about him, "There's not a, there's never been a better man born of a woman than John the Baptist. Like, John, that's how highly Jesus thought of John the Baptist. John thought John the Baptist was way up on Jesus' list of people he was, you know, impressed by and impressed with. And I think sometimes we think, you know what, um, I must not be living a holy life, or I must not be good enough, or I must not be doing the things I need to be doing, or I wouldn't be going through what I'm going through. And here is a man that Jesus says about him, he is, there's not a, a better man born of a woman than this man. And there comes a point where John the Baptist ends up in prison. He gets arrested for the things that he's saying about Jesus and the things that he's saying about people and all that kind of stuff. And John the Baptist sits in prison for a year and a half. 
for a year and a half, he's in a dungeon. And this wasn't like the prisons like you and I think of. Like, <clears throat> they didn't have meals brought to you. Basically, you only got fed when maybe you had a visitor happen to bring you some food. And can you imagine for a year and a half, this faithful man of God is sitting in this season of, of which he cannot explain. He cannot find a reason for it. And he finally comes to this point where he sends a message to Jesus. It's a weird message. He says, go, go ask Jesus, is, is he really the one that we have long awaited for, or should we expect somebody else? Like he gets to this point where like, this is the man who baptized Jesus, who, who when he was in his mother's womb and Mary came and told his mom, Elizabeth, that she was pregnant, John the Baptist left. And like Jesus had been exposed to John the Baptist his entire life, but it comes to this point where like he is in such a desperate situation, like he begins to just be overcome with doubt. And he asks that question, like, like, I don't know anymore. Like I, like, I just need some reassurance that Jesus is who I always thought he was. Now, if John the Baptist gets to a place where he has to ask that question, like, it's not surprising that we do too. But I want you to know how Jesus responds when these guys come up to him. They say, Jesus, uh, John the Baptist wants to, be, wants to be assured that you are who he says you are. And <clears throat> look at Jesus' reply in Matthew chapter 11, verse 4. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. In other words, go back and tell him about all the awesome things I'm doing for everybody else. And doesn't that feel like what you're experiencing when you're in this season? Like here you are at the end of 2018 and life is so hard. And you're in this season that you can't find a reason to explain. And it's like you look around, it seems like God's doing stuff for everybody but you. Everybody else can afford to buy their kids what they need for Christmas. And, and everybody's setting these resolutions. Or there's a friend, they set a res- resolution to lose 50 pounds and they did it. And here you are in this season where you feel worse than you ever have. Or you're watching all these other things that seem to be good happen for all these other people. And here you are in this season and it's so frustrating. You think God must not care. And then Jesus says something in verse 6 that's interesting. He says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. And what I think Jesus was saying is blessed is the person that doesn't abandon faith when what I'm doing maybe doesn't seem like they want me to do or what I'm doing doesn't seem to make sense, or what I'm not doing, they can't figure out why. Like, blessed is the one who somehow finds a way to continue to believe in me, even when believing in me is difficult. Blessed is the one who still believes in me when they don't feel like they continue to have a reason to. And I think he's trying to teach us something in this moment Again, this is John the Baptist. This is the man that Jesus said, there's not a better man born of a woman ever if he walked through those kinds of seasons that we are too. So be reassured that God is with you and God is for you and God still loves you. And I know like maybe, maybe that helps, maybe it doesn't. Like I know you're in a situation where again, the routine's not gonna fix it and the resolution is not gonna solve it. And all you need and all you're looking for 
is a reason and you can't find one. So maybe it's not about the reason or the routine or the resolution. Maybe you just need to be encouraged with the reassurance because maybe that will help you to begin to build what's necessary for you to be able to endure what you're going through and walk into 2018 with some hope. And it's hard to see it in the moment, isn't it? And you say, Matt, like, oh, that's all well and good. Um, stop telling me this, preacher. And you know what? I don't like saying these things to you either. But, like, I look in Scripture, and, and, and it just says that, like, we're going to go through seasons like this. And some of them are going to be longer than others. And, and the cool thing about it is, again, is the people of Scripture were no strangers to these type of seasons. And Paul writes something. You realize that there's three of the, or there's, there's several of the letters that Paul writes. There's multiple letters in, in Scripture that Paul writes from prison. And Philippians is one of those. And he writes these words that I've always wrestled with and I've always struggled to understand. Philippians chapter four says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you have at last um, renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you didn't have opportunity to to show it. Verse 11 says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. Like the Philippian church finally get him a care package in prison apparently or something like that and let them know, hey, Paul, thank you for planting our church. We know you're in prison. We haven't forgotten about you. But he says, like, I appreciate that y'all acknowledge me and acknowledge my circumstances. And isn't it awesome when, when somebody that you love and care about, they come to you and they're not trying to pat you on the back or, or encourage you in, 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 in to, to just put a fake smile on your face, but just acknowledging you in the circumstances that you're in. But he says something really unique here that I'm sure you've read before says, I'm not saying that because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And I know what you're thinking. Like, Matt, don't tell me to be content through this. Like, if you knew my situation, if you knew my story, if you knew what I was dealing with, if you knew the pain I had, if you knew what I'm going to have to go through just to make it through another year when I really don't even want to make it through another day, I would never tell you that but scripture does. Scripture says, I've learned to be content. Like this was, this is not something that like I was born with. This is not something that comes natural to me that like through all the things that I've had to endure and he pins this letter from prison. He says, I've I've had to learn to be content in all my circumstances. He said, I know what what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every in any situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then the next verse is a verse that you're familiar with, but it's the most misused scripture in all of the Bible. He says, verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Like we've seen that um, verse, Philippians 4.13, on the eye black of athletes, and on signs, like almost like I can hit this home run because God gives me strength. And that's totally not the context in which he's saying it. He's saying this on the heels of talking about contentment. He says, I've learned to be content. And you, and you know how I've learned to be content? I can be content in every situation because God gives me strength. And see, so often we see that strength is strength to conquer. And I don't think that's what he's saying. Like he... He may not give you the strength to conquer what you're going through right now, but he'll give you the strength to be content in the midst of it. And see, if you look to his strength thinking, oh, God's going to give me what I need to conquer this situation, 
Maybe eventually, but maybe what you need to pray for is the strength to be content in it. When we start praying, you know, most of us are praying, God, take it away, God, take it away. When I think Paul's saying, like, I learned to stop praying to take it away and just start praying to give me the strength I need to endure it. Like, you know, you've heard me say maybe, like, we want to go around it when there's times and God just says, you're just going to have to go through it. But you're not going to go through it alone because I'm not absent, I'm not apathetic, and I'm not angry. I'm going to walk with you through it. And that reminds me of what James wrote in James chapter 1. Again, something that seems really foreign to us because we get into this place where we need explanations and we, we don't think as believers that we should go through anything hard. But James chapter 1, he writes in verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That just seems like insane, doesn't it? Consider it pure joy. Like in trial, find joy. Now, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying and don't misunderstand what James is saying. I don't think he's saying enjoy the trial. I think he's saying find joy in the trial. There's a difference. He's not saying that you have to enjoy what you're going through because with what you're going through, there's no way to enjoy it but to find joy in it. He says, and here's why. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Like, nobody's impressed with untested faith. You're not. How many times do you walk away from people that have walked through really difficult things? They've walked through loss. They've walked through cancer. They've walked through all these things, and, and they have this testimony of who, God's good, of who God is and his goodness, and you walk away thinking, wow, the faith of that person Nobody's impressed with untested faith. And how do you even know how much faith you have until you walk through something difficult like that? And I think that's what, what James is saying because you know that testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That the thing that you're going through, you can go through it and you can come out the other side and God can be honored and God can be glorified and you can be whole and you can be content and you can find all these things that God needs to have, God needs to give you through these situations in order to have a year in 2019 that is good and is fruitful. And so as you stand here in this season, heading into a new year, and everybody around you is making a new resolution or committing to a new routine, and you're just trying to find a reason. Let me just reassure you that your God is with you, that you are loved. And can I just encourage you, in the meantime, stop asking why. Start worshiping who has the strength to give you what you need to make it through it and experience his goodness. I'll leave you with this, First Thessalonians chapter five. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So in the meantime, you can get called up and desperately searching for a reason, or you can worship with the reassurance that he is with you. So I challenge you to declare his praise, feel his presence, and allow him to work in your life and watch what he does. Father, I pray for every person that's going through a season 
in which they can't find a reason. God, I pray that you would help them to see you in this. And may they feel your presence and know that you are real. And may they worship you as they navigate this season until they come out the other side with the testimony to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray.
down my heart for all of my failure and pride. As you speak 